1: my only
2: object in being here is to try and get at the truth.
3: Where shall I go? What shall I do? He's looking at you, kid. Frankly, my dear,
1: I don't give a damn.
3: could have been a contender. Fasten your state. I could have been somebody. They can only kill me with a golden bullet. What have I done? Call me Mr. Tibbs. I'm going to make him an awful All real, men. Love is... is love. Too weak a word. for back. I loathe you.
2: Love love. No, I loathe you. I, Why are you I, 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 rah, 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 rah. I did as he Don't let me... If there's something wrong, it's wrong with the instructions. This ain't reality TV! Respect it! validate it! Remember that's what you told me! It's time,
1: Robbie! Welcome to the Next Best Picture Podcast.
2: And the
3: Oscar goes to... Parasite.
1: Hello everyone and welcome to episode 193 of the Next Best Picture Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Negley. At time of recording, 11-12 a.m. on May 10th, 2020. Here to join me on this special Mother's Day recording, I have Michael Schwartz. Hello, happy Mother's Day, everyone. Bianca Gardner.
0: Hello. um, Happy Mother's Day to all the people in the U.S.
1: Lauren LaMagna.
0: Happy Mother's Day, everyone.
1: Dan Baer. Happy, happy Mother's Day. And Tom O'Brien. Happy day to all the mothers
2: out there no matter who
1: you are absolutely and also too i wanted to give a quick shout out on uh, our side of the family over here to uh katie Schaefer, uh proud mother as well as uh, daniel howitt's uh wife rachel proud mother of two twin boys so once again i echo what everyone else said to all the mothers that are listening out there happy mother's day everyone uh, today, we are going to be talking about some trailers. Yes, we're actually getting trailers lately from movies, which is uh, really exciting. They're going straight to uh, VOD, uh, but they are movies to definitely get excited about that. If, um, in some cases, will premiere on VOD, and in other cases, have already premiered and have been seen by some people on the festival circuit, and other people will now get a chance to check them out. We're going to answer some fan questions today. We got a lot of really, really great ones that I really want to devote some time and get to today. Uh, but first and foremost, I want to... Uh, kind of just go around the room, as I usually do, and I want to ask everyone what it is that they've been watching at home. So why don't we actually start off with Tom O'Brien. Uh, Tom, is there anything that you've been catching up on in the last uh, week, two weeks um, at home?
2: The last two weeks, I've been uh, trying to catch up on Hollywood. Um, my general feeling, I know that it's been discussed on the, on the podcast before, um, just throwing in my two cents. Um, I think the veterans carry it, um, particularly Joe Mantello and uh, Patty Lapone and Holland Taylor, and uh, Dylan McDermott, who I didn't recognize at all as the Scotty Bowers character, and the the, you know, the younger actors were okay. They didn't. I think Jeremy Pope was the only one who really jumped out at me. Um, unfortunately, I think with some of the episodes, there's kind of a lead foot about it. I mean, it's um, basically you know we're told what. You know, uh, uh, Ryan, uh, what uh, Ryan Murphy's attitude towards it uh, is. And it's, uh, it's uh, I just wish he would lighten up a little bit and make it a little more fun. People compared it to the last few years of Glee, which wasn't a whole lot of fun. And um, there are moments in this that reminded me of that. So I'm kind of mixed on it, but I'm uh, uh, okay. But it's a, you know, I'm still going with it, so we'll, we'll take it. And the costumes are gorgeous, and the uh, production design is great. It's going to clean up in the tech,
1: yeah. We'll certainly see if that happens for sure. It's definitely a contender, I think, this year, especially given uh some of the limited uh television that we've received in some cases, not all cases, but you know, there are certain television shows that uh aren't going to be um. Uh, aired in time for this year's Emmy consideration, while uh, Hollywood definitely checks off a lot of boxes that the uh, television academy is more familiar with. So I hear you on that one. What else?
2: Um, I did catch um, the Michelle Obama documentary becoming. oh, yeah, i'm I'm a little mixed on it. Uh, it's it, it's doing a lot of stuff. Um uh, but let's just say if her book becoming, which is phenomenally successful, I mean, it, I mean, in today's New York Times, uh, you know, bestseller list. It's at number four after seventy-two weeks on the, on the top fifteen. So, it's quite amazing. But if that if that book was a movie, this movie would be one of those D- DVD extras. It's it's all like about the tour, backing it, how the book was sold, um, and at least the first half hour. The last. 45 minutes relaxes a little bit, and we really do get to know uh, Michelle Obama the way we really want to get to know her. Uh, she we see a little bit of her on the campaign trail in 2008 when she was just a breath of fresh air, and she was just so freewheeling, and she said whatever was on her mind. And then um, the right wing press began to really crucify her, you know, saying the cruelest things. And uh, she realized that she had to uh, pull back and she admittedly became very scripted. Um, She's a little less scripted here, but she's still cautious. Uh, When the film is not feeling like an infomercial for the book, uh, there's some lovely sequences not so much the uh, celebrity Q&As and arenas, which are fine, but, but she tells stories that basically you'd hear when she's on cold air. It's the more intimate moments when uh, she returns with her mom to her childhood home. And uh, we really get to know um, her mom, Miriam, very well, as well as her brother, Craig, who I really didn't know at all. And Mm. uh, there's a real tight family bond on that side of the family. And uh, I think the heart and soul of a doc are small, intimate roundtable conversations that she has at various stops along the way, really kind of mostly shielded from the press, uh, talking to. African American preteens um, who are anxious about college and not knowing whether they're going to succeed or not, and Native American preteens, you know, where are they going to fit in this world, and elderly African American churchgoers, and uh, you know, how they how the Obama legacy kind of feels to them. It's when other people get a chance to speak and she gets to interact with them that I think the movie finds something different and something really worthy. It does remind you of a time not too long ago when there was hope in the air and, um, it, uh, for an hour 29, it, uh, some of that hope gets revived. So, uh, if you like Michelle Obama, definitely give it a try now.
1: I love that we just got like a mini review from Tom O'Brien over here. One man show. Mm. (laughs) Jesus. I now want to watch this. Holy crap. All right. Uh, Let's kick it over now to Lauren. Lauren, what have you been catching up on this week?
4: I've been catching up on a few things. I do have a lot of TV to watch. I will be honest with that. But I watched the half of it on Netflix, which I thought was really, really cute. Alice Wu made a really solid film there's a lot of newcomers and like first big role actors and it's really cute. It's sweet. It's simple. And it just, it has that, it's that sweet spot of, you know, it's this cute coming of age movie, but it's not too serious, but it's exactly where it wants to be and where it needs to be. And it's really uplifting. And I can't wait to see what she does next. So that's my main thing. And then I'm still like trying to do like a little bit of escapism. So I'm, starting my first rewatch ever of The Lord of the Rings. I've seen it once, (laughs)
0: like, at least I've seen
4: them once, like, 10, 15 years ago, maybe, and I'm finally, like, rewatching it with, like, this, like, I'm an adult now, I got this cool eye now, so I watched Fellowship of the Rings last night. We'll see what happens tonight or in the next couple of days, but... That's this week's project.
1: Wait a minute, wait a minute. What did you think of Fellowship of the Ring?
4: I love Fellowship of the Rings. I normally like, I liked the movies. I remember liking them, but I wasn't so in love with them. And I'm quarantining with my family. And my dad is like this big Lord of the Rings guy. He's read the books like two or three times fully through. He went to the movie theaters by himself to see the movies on like opening night And I thought Fellowship was really good. Viggo Mortensen looks beautiful, fine as ever. I love that man. (laughs) My favorite. So whenever he's on the screen, it just makes me so much happier. But it's really good. I love the music. I think it's a great movie, and I can't wait to see the rest of them.
5: Yeah. Yeah. Are you watching the theatrical releases or the extended versions?
4: Probably theatrical. How long are the extended versions? longer (laughs) it's funny because my dad has like the box whenever they came out
1: I I think if I remember correctly I think the first film they tack on 30 minutes the second film it's like 40 and the third film they tack on an extra 50 minutes (laughs) (laughs) but they still work they're awesome the extended editions are so enriching it's ridiculous
3: Um, cool all right Michael Yeah, so I watched two movies this week. Uh, One of them sort of a continuation of last week. I talked about how I watched uh, Dangerous Liaisons* last week, which I'd seen before, but I wanted to revisit just for whatever reason. And I figured, oh, since I watched that, I should probably go and watch a movie that Ryan Showers has been telling me to watch for years and years for the first time, and that was Cruel Intentions. Oh! Mm -hmm. Which I had never seen before. And uh, Uh, I can't say I'm a big fan. I think it's a very nasty movie. I guess it's in the title, so I should have been expecting that uh, yeah inspired <laughs> performances I like seeing Christine Baranski and Sarah Sarah Michelle Gellar Reese Witherspoon all those people but uh yeah just not my type of thing but hey I saw it Cross it off the list there were cruel intentions at play Michael yes uh, cruel intentions indeed uh, <laughs> after that I watched a movie that I'll be talking about uh later this week in a different capacity stay tuned for that so I'm not going to go into so much detail here But I rewatched for the first time in nearly a decade the Oscar winning 1996 film Shine with Jeffrey Rush, which won him a Best Actor Oscar. Uh, So stay tuned. You're going to be hearing more from me about that movie this week. But uh, if you haven't seen Shine, really good movie. And Michael, where where can they hear you say more about that later this week? Uh, You know what? I guess we're going to be posted by the time this goes up. So I will be on Kevin Jacobson's and the runner up is podcast talking about Shine and why it didn't win the Oscar in 1996. Can't wait to listen to it. Very excited. Alrighty,
1: let's hear now from Bianca.
0: Um, so it's funny that uh, Lauren's listening, uh, uh, watching <laughs> Lord of the Rings, because my partner's just started watching um, the extended versions of Lord of the Rings. So, Damn. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, he was watching that this morning. I was kind of, sort of watching him watch it because i was also watching my own film at the same time i was watching sorry wrong number which is <laughs> oh like God, great uh, it's so good it's this like great like film noir 1948 film about a woman who overhears uh people plotting to kill her and it's got burt lancaster in and i i recently watched sweet smell success so i'm sort of going through movies with uh that oh. Uh, that he's been in and i love sweet smell success that was like <laughs> such a great movie um also i suppose uh uh what else have I been watching i watched killer's kiss which is the stanley kubrick film i think it was his second film and it's not a, a great kubrick movie but you can sort of see like where he's beginning to develop his craft and his filmmaking style and there's a lot of uh, good elements in there which are quite interesting um and it's only like 63 minutes or 65 minutes long so it's really short uh but it's kind of a weird because it's just like this relationship that happens over two days so they fall in love and decide they're gonna leave together this like couple and it's just like typical hollywood noir type of thing it's like we've known each other for two days that's let's elope uh, that <laughs> <happened>. <laughs> i'm such a sucker for that stuff i'm like yeah, <laughs> they're in love <laughs> and then um talking about noir um i guess uh, a recent film that i watched was the whistlers
1: oh uh, yeah uh, i saw that at a uh, new york film festival
0: and I don't know. I I don't know what to make of it. I kind of liked elements of it, but it's very Same. confusing with the, the so many characters going on. I think I'll probably give it a rewatch. But I did like the whistling language, and I think that's something we should adopt here on the <laughs> podcast. <laughs> we just communicate with whistles. Uh, but no, that was quite. I mean, yeah, it's. Uh,
1: I like I like when it paid homage to classic films yeah uh, there were a lot of influences in that movie that you know you could really recognize
0: yeah i thought it was it was quite good I've, i don't i've never really watched much romanian cinema so um it was interesting to watch a film in another language so
2: mm-hmm.
0: yeah i, I guess it, i recommend people to checking it out if they they're looking for something and they they like noir so
1: She's watching Romanian films and films in Elvish, so there you go.
0: <laughs> Top that,
1: Dan Bear. What about you? Um,
5: I have uh, I get, actually watched a lot of movies this week. I've mostly been watching TV uh, during the quarantine, catching up on a lot of the things that I've missed. Um, I am two episodes into Hollywood and can't quite make myself watch the rest of it. Um, it is. So self-satisfied so and self-congratulatory and in a way that I just find nauseating, as I have with many Ryan Murphy projects, unfortunately. Um, I've also really been enjoying Run on HBO with Merritt Weaver and Donald Gleason, which is a lot of fun. Um, and Mrs. America, obviously, best show on TV right now. Um, it, I don't know if any of you guys have watched the... TV show of What We Do in the Shadows.
0: Oh, it's so good. I heard
1: a lot of people talking about it this past week.
5: It is so funny. It's so funny. I, that's all the escapism I need in this life, <laughs> frankly, is just to watch that show for a half hour every week. It's so enjoyable. I Just as much as the movie was, which is like really impressive. Um, I also uh, finally watched unorthodox on netflix yeah which is um so i i read the book uh, a long time ago on the recommendation of family members and they take uh, quite a few liberties with oh, the book it's so different but it it's so well done and shira haas
3: is give her the emmy I mean, wow. Kate Blanchett's in there, yeah. too, but, I mean, of course, Shira okay. Haas is magnificent in this show. God, she's incredible. Like,
5: really, really incredible. I, it's worth a watch just for her. Um, oh, God, what else? Oh, sorry, I, I actually did did watch movies this week um most of them you can hear me talking about on the podcast or see me writing about on the website um we watched dawn of the planet of the apes for the first time since 2014 which was uh, better than i remember um i also watched uh two oh uh, no before i get to those um i finally watched never rarely sometimes always
4: yes. oh yes
5: very good uh, I find it very difficult to talk about. It it was it's so well done. It's so well done. The um what it kept bugging me that um the lead actress is a dead ringer for Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Oh <laughs> that's
1: really funny. <laughs>
5: <laughs> it can but like I remember like seeing the promo images from from Sundance and going like, oh Mary Elizabeth Winston has a new movie out and no everyone was talking about this newcomer. I'm like, who? <laughs> but it it's God, she's fantastic in this movie. Um and the movie itself is so well written and uh, so well done. it's done with great care and sensitivity um it reminded me of another movie that is that i saw uh, not too long ago on netflix um called the body remembers when the world broke open which if you guys haven't watched it which you probably haven't cuz like it's a micro indie Film, but I, it had screened at TIFF when I was there last fall, and I heard a lot of good things about it, and it absolutely lives up to every positive review that I've heard. Um, I highly recommend it if you liked Never Rarely Sometimes Always. Highly, highly recommend. Um, and finally, I've in my in my ongoing efforts to watch every single movie that I missed at TIFF. Um I watched How to Build a Girl with Vini Feldstein, which is very, very enjoyable, if not great. Um this is finally like her big solo lead film and despite a somewhat dodgy British accent, she's really, really incredible in it. Um just the charisma that comes off of Beanie Feldstein is really so much fun to watch. And you want to be her friend. You want her to succeed in all her goals, which is everything that a coming-of-age story needs. And she brings it, even when the film kind of falters. Um, and, and then <laughs> I watched uh, Kristen Scott Thomas in Military Wives. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> which which is about um, a group of military wives in Britain who their um, spouses are called away to um, the army, the military, somewhere uh, um, overseas, and they are left on the base to fend for themselves, and they start a choir. And... <laughs> I, I think this is the movie we all need in quarantine right now. Um, but also maybe a little bit difficult to watch. Um, I basically cried all the way through it. Aww. <laughs> it, it is it is very typical British heartwarming dramedy stuff, but the story of um these women who can't be with the, their loved ones coming together to create something, it, is ju- it really, really got me right in the feels in this time of social distancing. And I I totally fell hell over, head over heels for it. Um, it's done really well, and you know, all of the actresses in it are great. And if you need a good cry, I
1: recommend it. All right, awesome! Really, really great recommendations from everybody this week. I'll keep mine very short and brief because I uh, have come to the conclusion that I need to stop playing Call of Duty uh, Modern Warfare uh, in my spare time. <laughs> And I need to actually focus on watching uh, more movies because I am so far behind. Um, so for me, um, I rewatched The Grand Budapest Hotel for our 2014 retrospective, which was delightful and a lot of fun. Got to watch it on the new Criterion Blu-ray that just recently came out. It was fantastic. Um then, yes, we did uh, discuss Dawn of the Planet of the Apes on the podcast as well. Continuation after discussing Rise of the Planet of the Apes a couple of weeks ago for our Podemic uh, series, as <laughs> Bianca uh, coined it. And I, too, like Dan, I was surprised while watching it how much better it was on a rewatch. I was watching it and I'm like, I don't remember this movie being this good. Holy crap. And it was it was great. I, I I think it might be my favorite of the trilogy now, actually, after this most recent rewatch, which is astounding to me.
2: This is one of the most underrated trilogies I can remember in a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, agreed.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely agreed. And the character arc of Caesar, played by Andy Serkis, is probably one of the best ever captured on celluloid. <laughs> so it's really, well, not celluloid. You know what I mean. Figure of speech. <laughs> in any event, though. Um, Really, really great stuff all around. What I want to do is I actually want to talk about some movies that are actually coming out now uh, pretty soon. That we'll get a chance to uh, discuss hopefully at a later date. First up, I want to talk about Shirley. I want to talk about Josephine Decker's follow-up to Madeline's Madeline, a film that I saw at the Sundance Film Festival this year starring Elizabeth Moss, who's having like just a killer, killer couple of years right now. With great performance after great performance after great performance. And I can tell you all right now, she delivers yet another great performance in this. It's also starring Michael Stuhlbarg, Logan Lerman, and Odessa Young, who um, some people may remember from uh, one of my other favorite movies uh, recently, uh, <laughs> Assassination Nation. <laughs> uh, but let's take a look at the uh, trailer for this one and see what neons got cooking. To our suffering, my dear.
4: There's not enough scotch
3: in the world for that one. <laughs> Shirley, what are you writing now?
0: A little novella. I'm calling none of your goddamn business.
2: <laughs> well, you were invited to stay here for a few days. Until
1: we could find a place. Shirley has these bouts.
0: She's gone sick in the head. I read your story. What are you doing here? It made me feel thrillingly horrible. Do you know what it's like to have a secret?
2: What are you up to?
0: That girl. What do you think?
2: Try and a bit trashy, but uh,
1: yeah, give it a go. I like you, Rosie. Can I trust you?
5: I feel like we're in the Scottish play. On the verge of madness. What will happen?
1: See their secret
3: looks.
0: Freud would have had a field day.
2: I'm counting down from three. Three, two, one. Oh, you've done it. What becomes of your dear heroine?
0: What happens to all lost girls? What do you guys think i really wanted to catch month. this at berlin film festival and i didn't get a chance and i'm so gutted um uh, but i really, because i'm a huge elizabeth moss fan oh my god she's amazing
2: yeah i mean ne- neon knows how to deal with films but i i've just really i wish this had come out a little bit later um because boy she would certainly be more considered for awards um uh, Uh, near the end of the year because this looks like it's a triumph for her.
1: What's that? What's that, Tom? You don't think she's going to contend for the Invisible Man and in Best Actress? <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh Lord!
1: <laughs> hey, you know what? Don't knock it until it becomes a reality. You never know at this <laughs> point. It, I, I'm dead serious. It could happen. I, I I say it in a joking sense, but you do, you never know. But yeah, what what else? What do you, what else did you guys think? I, I'll tell you this much: after watching the trailer, it, it I I didn't draw this connection while watching it actually. But when I watched the trailer, it suddenly dawned on me. It's probably because I rewatched the film recently. I was like, yeah, this has got. Heavy Who's Afraid of Virginia Wolf vibes?
4: Yeah. Mm. And and I was like, when I heard about this film being made, I was like, okay, maybe I'll see it eventually. I was never the person that was so super duper excited about it, even though I love the director. Elizabeth Moss has been consistent and Shirley Jackson is just An iconic woman, but then I saw this trailer, and Neon knows how to make phenomenal trailers. I literally, that trailer hooked me, and now I'm like, Mm -hmm. okay, when is this movie coming out? I want to see it as soon as it drops.
2: (laughs) Yeah. And it's
1: it's going to be on Hulu, right?
2: Yeah.
1: It's going to be made available uh, June 5th across uh, VOD uh, platforms. Yep. And that does include Hulu, right? Hulu could come later, maybe. I, I don't have clarification on that. Okay, I thought I heard something. I'm going to look that up for our listeners, but uh,
2: yeah, yeah, continue. Thanks. And Stuhlbarg looks very good in it.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. I was very, very excited when I saw this at Sundance to just see that he had second billing in something because, you know, typically he's that character actor that gets a very small supporting role, but here he gets he gets a lot to do in this movie, which is just another reminder, once again, of how underutilized I think he is and what a great actor he can really be. Yeah. Um, the true lead of the movie is really Odessa Young. Um, her and Logan Lerman are staying with... Uh, Elizabeth Moss and Michael Stuhlbarg uh, while Shirley Jackson is attempting to write her latest novel. And the relationship that she develops with Odessa Young is complicated, it's messy, and it's filmed in such a way by Josephine Decker that is just constantly engaging. Um, Madeline's Madeline, I don't know if anyone here saw that movie.
0: Oh, I, I love that movie.
1: But that movie is yeah. a tough sit for a lot of people because it's just so ambiguous and it's got really, like, crazy, like, Lynchian vibes to it at times. Um, this is a much more straightforward plot, but filmed in, like, the same style that, you know, reminds you of Madeline's Madeline. So I would be hmm. very, very excited for that if you were a fan of her filmmaking style with that.
5: Oh, I, the, and The trailer doesn't really suggest much of that at all, which is... I, I can't wait to go into it and be surprised because <laughs> Josephine Decker is that kind of filmmaker.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Just looked it up. It is June 5th on demand and Hulu.
1: Oh, wow. Nice. Great.
3: Awesome.
4: Thank you, Neon.
1: That's going to have to be a uh, that's going to have to be a review. Uh, that we might have to do on the pod then if it's going to be widely available like that. So really, really exciting. I I can't wait to rewatch it. Hello, everyone. This is JD from the In Session Film Podcast. Each week, we review the latest from Hollywood, California. Well, yes, Brendan. We also give top three lists. Okay, yeah. Thanks again, Brendan. Additionally, you can hear us
3: talk other movie news, trailers, varying movie series or other interesting film related topics and even rants and raves of the week. That's correct, Brendan. On top of our main show, every Friday... You can also hear our extra film podcasts. Good job, Brendan. Thank you, JD. It's my goal to make you proud. You're the father after all. <laughs> yes, and I'm very proud. Uh, you can listen to the In Session Film podcast on... iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or at InSessionFilm.com.
1: Brendan, will you please let me complete just one... Nope. Oh, for heaven's sake. Listen to the In Session Film Podcast every Monday and Friday. Subscribe today and hear me verbally beat JD like a Cherokee drum. No, 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 no. That's not ki- how this works, sir. Hey, no, you, you, no, no, you no. go cry at Midnight Special again, oh, okay? okay? That's what I, you're I good will. for. I will. You know what? And I'll do it while pummeling you. I'll do both at the same time. How are you going to pummel me? Yeah, I, I, I don't, just I don't buy it. That. That's just
0: how <laughs> it
1: works. Uh, let's talk about another festival movie that already premiered. Um, none of us, including myself, have had a chance to see this one, though. It premiered last year at South by Southwest. It stars Natalia Dyer. Uh, people might remember her from uh, Stranger Things. And this is a movie that's a directorial debut uh, from Karen Maine, who was the co-writer of Obvious Child. And this is called Yes, God, Yes, based on a 2017 short film of the same name, also starring Dyer. Uh, let's take a look at the trailer for this one. So,
3: Alice, how would you describe your relationship with Jesus?
2: Um...
0: Welcome. You've got mail. Mom?
1: (sighs) Fine. Just fine? Uh. Okay, it's like this. Guys only need a few
3: seconds, you know, like a microwave. <laughs> while ladies, they typically need to preheat for a while.
0: Have you been to Jesus for his cleansing? Welcome.
1: Or are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? I am sick of being
0: friends with a pervy psycho.
2: Okay.
3: This retreat will challenge you in new and profound ways.
2: Are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed in the... And remember,
3: God is always watching you.
0: Are you washed in
4: the blood of the land? It's more after lunch. We pretended each marshmallow was a different mortal sin before burning it. Yours was lust.
2: Oh.
1: It's cute. Yeah. It reminded me of, um, like a raunchier, uh, like, I don't want to say novitiate, but like, I'm trying to think of like one of those, um, what was that movie that came out with, um. What's her name? Uh,
4: I got major miseducation of cameras. That's post- the one. Yes, yeah. that's yeah. the one. Mm-hmm. I got yeah. from this. I was yes. like, Okay, I know where we're in that family. We're in that zone.
1: Yeah, and it
4: looks cute. I mean, like I, it looks like it's something that I've seen before, and I'm like, I know what I'm expecting, and I'm probably going to be satisfied with it. But I've definitely seen this, and she. She looks great. I'm a huge fan of stranger things. I think she's I think Dyer is good in her role, so i'm glad I'm excited to see her be in this full lead comedic y role mm-hmm.
2: Agreed. yeah, yeah and Timothy Simons from Beep is the Priest looked like him <laughs> that was like, what the fuck are you doing here?" Yeah. <laughs>
1: Uh, it's got 10 reviews so far. Rotten Tomatoes with 100% uh, currently at this time. cute. Yeah, yep. it definitely looks like a movie that people uh, like for the most part. We don't have enough reviews yet, I think, to paint an accurate picture fully. But um, it is one that um, I'm sure, I'm, I'm sure it looks enjoyable. It looks like it'll be something to watch when it comes out. It's also a merciless 78 minutes long so or merciful merciful rather Yo. 78 minutes long <laughs> or merciless yeah maybe they were uh, unmerciful in the cutting room Yeah, <laughs> there you go I just love that I used the word merciful because uh, you know, it's, it's about God showing mercy blah <laughs> blah blah anyway <laughs> in, any, in any event though also too for the record Yes God Yes might be my favorite title for a movie uh, for 2020
0: uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> um what was it um was the director the co- co-writer of obvious child karen Minn. yeah i'm excited because i love obvious child that's such a great movie and the writing is definitely like one of the st- strongest elements from that film so uh i'm excited to catch this one and i'm, I'm liking the sort of 90s i guess it's 90s early 2000s vibe there as uh, snake was like uh oh, i remember snake
1: <laughs> <laughs> i think that uh lauren hit the nail on the head though that like we've seen a couple of movies that are like this uh lately uh miseducation of cameron post boy erased only this is definitely going to go the route of the more uh comedic uh raunchy side of things uh which is not a, which is not a problem by any means it's good to get kind of like a spin-off of this setting um and of these uh, types of circumstances that young uh that young people find themselves in in these um Jesus camp? Uh, I don't know. Jesus camp. Yeah, let's call it a Jesus camp. There you go. But, you know, it it definitely looks like it will be fun.
0: Uh, A lot more fun than going to actual Jesus camp.
1: There you go. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, B. Yes. Polls time, everybody. Talk about the polls. So, last week, we asked everyone for Mother's Day today. What is your go-to Mother's Day movie with mom? Lots of choices. Lots of choices to choose from. So many choices, in fact, that I couldn't list them all. So, needed to uh, post, you know, a write-in option for people. Uh, Let's take a look at the results here and let's see what we got. Okay, so top 10. Go-to Mother's Day movie with mom. Before I reveal, Michael, do you have a go-to Mother's Day movie with mom?
3: Yes, I mean not that we sit down and watch it often, but a movie that we've loved over the years is *Mamma Mia*.
1: Okay, cool, awesome choice, Bianca.
0: Mommy dearest. Oh my. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Joking. Dear I don't Lord. Actually... <laughs> no, I don't actually have a Mother's Day film that I watch with my mother. She's not into movies.
1: Gotcha,
5: gotcha, Dan. Uh, not that we watch it every Mother's Day, but in *The Wizard
1: of Oz*. Alrighty. Uh, Lauren,
4: my mom is a major romantic comedy girl, so it's normally a pretty woman or sex in the city.
1: All righty. Tom, w- w- was your mom a uh, movie fan?
2: Uh, no, she wasn't, which uh, really allowed me to, uh, learn how to go to the movies by myself. But, <laughs> and, but, and that's a skill that you, I learned kind of early and I'm kind of glad I did. But if she was around, I would ask her to watch the Greta with little women.
1: Yeah, yeah, mm. that was my answer uh, last week. That's my go-to movie now with mom, uh, for sure. She's a big, big fan of that book, so it makes makes sense. All right, here we go. Number ten, James L. Brooks' *Terms of Endearment*. A perfect film. Yeah. Yeah. Number nine, *Freaky Friday*, starring Jamie Lee yes. Curtis and Lindsay Lohan. It should have been an Oscar nominee. A,
3: classic. a phenomenal
1: performance. That's funny. Number eight. Mike Mills is 20th century women. Uh, And again, perfection, perfection. Number seven. Jason Reitman's film with Charlize Theron, Tully.
5: Yes. So good. So good.
1: Number six. The film that should have netted Amy Adams, her Oscar nomination for best actress, Mm -hmm. Arrival. I'm
4: Mm -hmm. still bitter over that. Mm
1: -hmm. Forever bitter. Mm
4: -hmm. Number
1: five. A classic. Steel Magnolias. Oh.
4: oh, that's a good one.
1: The movie's a blast. Number four. The Sound of Music. Oh. oh, yeah. Wonderful, wonderful. Number three. Greta Gerwig's Little Women. We've said all that needs to be said. Yeah. Number two. Greta Gerwig's Lady Bird. Ditto. <laughs> mm-hmm. Perfect. And number one mama mia here i go again mama how can i resist you is that really
3: number one yes it is wow i am impressed uh, listeners i am very very impressed Good I'm, you. Gonna sh-
4: I'm gonna shout out our weird ones and just highlight kill bill and terminator are great moms too
1: fucking yes. a <laughs> fucking a
4: and aliens I, yes we gotta include our top checks
1: all righty final trailer For this week, Judd Apatow coming back into director's chair again. A film that was supposed to premiere itself by Southwest got rescheduled for the Tribeca Film Festival. Now is being released by Universal Pictures on VOD on June 12th. This is The King of Staten Island starring Pete Davidson, Marissa Tomei, Bill Burr and Steve Buscemi actually popped up in the trailer in this one, uh, which made a lot, a lot of sense in context once you know what the movie's about. So let's take a look at the trailer and let's discuss.
2: I like your tattoos. What are those numbers on your arm? Oh,
3: that's uh, the date my dad died. He was a fireman, died in a fire
1: 17 years ago.
2: Oh my God, I'm so sorry. Don't
1: be, it's fine. Knock, knock. Who's
2: there? Not your dad. <laughs> Just a bit, up, take you can't focus on Scott anymore, honey. He's 24 years old, Marjorie. Let that fucking bird fly, please. Don't worry, Mom.
1: I know your daughter got smart and went to college and abandoned oh, us. But I'm still here. I'm gonna be here forever. Yeah. People told me slow my road.
3: I want to become a real tattoo artist. Your work is mad and consistent. Obama ain't right. Oh, I love your tattoos. This is my favorite.
1: <laughs> I've been dating someone for a little while now. The first guy you date in 17 years is a fireman just like that? You don't think that's weird?
2: You're gonna have to pull your weight a little more around here.
3: Maybe
4: help Ray get his kids to school. Kelly, do you know him? He's a new friend. You okay? You know, you can tell
1: me. I'm okay. Oh, I trained her in the car. She's not gonna break.
2: You ever think about putting on the jacket? Why would you even ask me that? What's wrong with being a fireman? It's fine if you don't have kids because you don't know if you're going to come home or not and then your kids are fucked up. You make everyone around you feel crazy. People are normal, then they hang out with you and then they're fucking Jack Nicholson in The Shining or something. i got to tell
1: my mom you tried to drown me. To the fuck pool, you're like fucking eight feet tall.
4: Now let me tell you something, your dad was a hero and heroes are necessary and they should be allowed to have families.
0: together. Time is passing by very quickly.
2: Why do you think I smoke weed all the time? So I can slow it down.
1: I just feel like everybody's always disappointed in me, and I never live up to anybody's expectations. Hey, thanks for listening to all this. You're one of the few people who treat
5: me, you know, like a person. You're welcome. Marissa Tomei is is a thing of beauty and
3: a joy forever.
4: Yes. Yes. Jet I Apatow? love
3: Judd Apatow movie. I do, too. I really love his films. A 40-Year-Old Virgin, Knocked Up. Uh, I saw This is 40 twice in theaters and back-to-back days. I I don't love everything. that one.
4: See, yeah. for me, Judd Apatow is a hit or a mess. I either really yeah. love it or I think it's like, okay, I don't need to see it ever again.
3: Same. But- I think they're all over long. All of his movies go on about 30 minutes too long. and They do. They Especially. have their issues, of course, editing, plotting, all that stuff. But they're always entertaining. I like watching what's on screen. I like seeing the performers. I like the writing. It's like James L. Brooks who, with, you know, a lesser editor. That's how I think of his work. Mm-hmm. But the writing is consistent. I always like what he has to say. So when I heard about the King of Staten Island and Pete Davidson, Pete Davidson is an interesting guy to me. But I don't really respond to his persona or his comedy. So I was like, okay, well, you know, maybe Judd will rein him in and, you know, make a start of him like he did Amy Schumer in Trainwreck. Let's see. And while I still haven't seen the movie, this trailer looked very, very good. I have to say, I yes, think so I agree. too.
4: I do like Pete Davidson. I'm maybe it's just because I'm just on the young side. I do respond to a sense of humor, and anything with Marissa Tomei, I will see it. I love that woman. <laughs> she cannot do anything wrong. So, seeing that, that already signs me up. And this looks genuinely really good. This might be a surprise hit for me for 2020.
1: Yeah, I, I think it has potential. To be one of my favorite movies of this year because I actually do think that when Judd Apatow is on, he is mm-hmm. really, really on. Mm-hmm. And he does a really good job with those extended runtimes of really digging deep into his lead uh, protagonists and actually doing some really interesting character study work with them that you don't really get in comedy films, I feel like. And... Yeah, it's another burnout stoner movie, and he's going to try and better his life. We know this formula. What I'm excited to see with that, though, is I'm excited to see how Pete Davidson does in the lead role in terms of carrying the movie. I don't know who here saw Big Time Adolescence, but I thought he was quite good in that, in the supporting role. Here, you know, like Michael said, he has the chance to really, really break out in a way that could potentially put him on – a path beyond SNL and create a new future for himself. And I I just, I do find that very exciting. Not to mention this movie's got Bill Burr, I'm a huge Bill Burr
2: fan. So,
1: <laughs> that's an automatic plus for me right there. When he tells him, when he throws him to the pool, and he's like, you're eight fucking feet tall. I'm like, yes, more Bill Burr comedy, please. Yes.
4: <laughs> Steve Buscemi is also in this, who's also a great thing to look at.
1: And, you know, like I was saying before, the reason why I think a lot of people are going to definitely catch wind of this um, and for those of you that don't know, Steve Buscemi actually uh, became a volunteer firefighter in the wake of 9-11 in New York, mm-hmm. and it was very, very heavily publicized. So this movie dealing with firemen, looking like it is probably going to be some sort of a tribute to uh, workmen, uh, firemen in suburban communities. I, I think that there's a reason that he's uh, cast in this film for sure.
2: Yeah, I think that that uh, subplot has a lot to do. It gives the film a weight that it otherwise might not have. Yeah, yeah probably it's, it's not
4: just the stoner tries to become a better person movie. Yeah, it man. also talks about, you know, grief and losing a loved one and potential, and also a f- parent and the figure moving on with that other parent tries to rebuild their life again. So it could be again, a really solid surprise head.
1: I, I'm, I'm on the, uh, uh, Marissa Tomei, Best Supporting Actress uh, campaign already. I'm uh, on that campaign. Yes, and, and, and hell, I'll, I'll go so far to even say I'm on the Pete Davidson uh, Golden Globe comedy musical uh, train as of right now. So I don't know. We'll see what happens. You know, we'll we'll see what happens. Uh, shot by Robert Elswit, cinematographer. So, <laughs>
3: hey, Judd Apatel is an established name in this industry. He could probably get anyone who wants at this point. I know. I just find it amazing, though,
1: that Ellswit can go from shooting something like there will be blood in Heron Vice and then he <laughs> will go and do yeah something like this. You know what I mean? But, hey, you know that there's going to be a degree of filmmaking quality there. Because I I have to admit, Judd Apatow does not – there's something about the way that his comedy films are made versus other, like I said, comedy films that do come out uh, within the studio system. I, I'm I'm very excited for this. I, I, I can't deny it. I really am.
3: Yeah. And by the way, looking at the running time here, uh, things – don't necessarily change in the five years it's since he like made his last movie.
2: 36 minutes or something Yes. Like <laughs> so he stays
3: consistent in that regard. But hey, what else are we doing while
1: we're home? That's true. That is true. Uh, just for context, Knocked Up is 129 minutes. Uh, Trainwreck was 125 minutes. <laughs> <Stay>
3: <laughs> 14, <laughs> Before the director's cut.
1: Uh, this is 40, 133 minutes. So this will be his second longest movie uh, behind Funny People, which ran for a comedy movie at two hours and 26 minutes long, oh. which I still to this day do not understand. But
3: two, uh, <laughs> I genuinely love that movie all Nearly three hours of it.
1: Hey, you know what? If this movie can make me laugh or at least get me to chuckle, smile like this trailer did, uh, then 136 minutes is perfectly okay with me. Not to mention, who doesn't like hearing the song One Headlight? And by the way, I do know the words to that song, even if they want to make it look like people don't know the words (laughs) to that song.
5: (laughs) That's the thing. Like, if you're of a certain age... As like, for example, I am, you know, all the damn words to that song. I don't care how drunk you are.
1: Like, well, no, <laughs> you had a bit of alcohol, maybe, maybe. But I do know the words <laughs> that said,
5: like, I laughed so hard at that moment in the
1: trailer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Really cool. Uh, Definitely a future uh, podcast review here, uh, June 12th from Universal Pictures. Let's head on over now to fan questions. Let's close this week out over here. Let's see what everybody had to uh, ask us this week.
3: Hi, everyone. This is Tim Costa.
1: I'm Hermano da Silva. And this is Walter Vinci.
5: And together we are the First Time Watchers podcast. Each week we choose a movie to review that none of us has seen. Watch it together. And then discuss. These movies could be new. Or old. Or on our list of shame. And you don't have to worry about us going on and on about this and that and the other. And oh, look, no, no, let's no, no. talk stop, about stop, this might be. Shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. God, God damn it, shut up! I think, shut I think up. that's enough all
1: so time. <laughs> 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 this one comes from Daniel B at Film and Sports 21. What impact has your mom made on your cinematic taste?
5: Okay, so I I am happy to start with this one. Uh my mom uh introduced me to the two films that made me a cinephile. Um, those two being Star Wars and Singing in the Rain. Um, my, mom. my mom is one of those people who was an original generation Star Wars, like waited in a line around the block to see it um, in the original <laughs> release fan. And I still remember, like, going to the movie theater and buying an advance ticket to see uh, episode one when it came out,
4: <laughs>
5: because like that was a big deal, and like we went to see all those movies together, um, and then <laughs> and then later, I think I think it was that same year actually, um, she took. Uh, my best friend and I to see The Matrix. Oh, and wow. we, weren't, yeah. we weren't quite 17 yet. So, like, the movie with us, which n- none of us expected, but, like, she's like, you go sit where you want and I'll just sit back row. And <laughs> we, left, I remember leaving the theater and she was as excited about this movie as me and my friend, best friend were. <laughs> so, like, and again, like, that's like, Whenever the uh, second and third movies came out, like that was date at the movies with me and my mom. Uh, So I, yeah, so my mom has been an integral part of my movie going experiences over the
1: years. Can your
0: mom adopt me?
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure she'd be
5: happy to be. (laughs)
1: <laughs> While well, my mom has had made no impact on my cinematic taste at all in fact i'm the one that feels like i'm influencing her taste all the time um i do have to give some credit to my mom for never holding me back from wanting to watch the things that i wanted to watch even at a young age um it was always encouraged um to watch stuff that was at least acclaimed or whatever it was um so, but, but I mean, like, for example, uh, if I'm, say, 12 or something like that and I, and I wanted to watch Goodfellas, uh, I never got any pushback on that.
4: <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my mom didn't really have that big influence on me as well. That's more of my dad. But my mom, again, she's much more a romantic comedy. She's also a theater girl. So she showed me all of, like, the movie musicals. So she would put on, like, Wizard of Oz for us. She would put on Annie for me. So as the little kid with the curly hair, I loved that. So just like the old movie musicals. So like she showed me Sound of Music and Mary Poppins and Me Me and St. Louis. And we would watch I Love Lucy all the time. So all those like feel good, nice movie musicals was all her, which then stemmed into my love of theater and how nice that intertwines with film now. So whenever a good movie musical comes out, my mom's all about it and we all have a great time with it.
1: All right cool. Luca Gilberti asks, are we finally all capitals, finally going to see Elizabeth Boss get her first Oscar nomination? I'm not saying either one of the Invisible Man <laughs> or Shirley is Academy friendly, but my god does she deserve to get her due. Know, she will get it some year. It's 2020. Oh, yeah.
4: Anything and, can happen. And, and I mean, probably she for was the... so good in her
0: smell.
1: She was amazing in her smell. And she'll probably get her first nomination for the wrong
5: thing. Ugh, yeah. Of of course, well, she is one of those actresses that continually chooses incredibly interesting projects mm-hmm. and notably un-Oscary projects. Like, yes, yeah. she was amazing in her smell, but like anyone who thought that that movie was coming anywhere near the Oscars, <laughs> <used to laughs> think a lot of things.
1: Let's just say, <laughs> uh, Braden Hughes at Brafers asks. Who is your favorite mother character in a movie and who is your least favorite mother character in a movie?
3: Oh goodness. I
1: didn't...
4: She's not a great mom, but Sarah Connor's my girl. Oh yeah. Like I'll be honest. I know she like I know that's her major fault in the character house. Like she's not the best mom out there, but she learns. She has a journey. She gets there eventually.
1: I'm gonna say a uh, recent one. I absolutely adore the character Mildred Hayes from Three Billboards
3: outside Ebbing, oh, Missouri. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like I'm on the spot here. There's so many good ones, but I'm having trouble narrowing it down yeah. to just one.
2: I, I think Lady Bird's mom, for me, is my yeah. favorite. That is my mom!
5: <laughs> <laughs> I may go a bit different direction just for some variety, and because I rarely get a chance to gush about this performance as much as it deserves, but I... I'm a huge fan of Mother Gothel entangled. Tangled.
1: <laughs> oh, yes. Mm. Mother knows best.
5: <laughs> Donna Murphy's Mother Knows Best is one of the great Disney that's villain so. songs. I don't it's care what so anyone says. It's so good. So good. And yeah,
1: love her. I, that, I love that call out,
3: Dan. I think that's phenomenal. So good. You know what? Give me a, when we sign off at the end of the episode, I will have my answer ready. How's that? <laughs> Mary Tyler Moore ordinary people,
0: Michael.
3: <laughs> oh my god. <gosh. laughs> I don't like what she does at the end. She that is not a role model of a mother right there. <laughs> All right, well for least well for Lee's favorite, um
1: can I go with Joan Crawford from Mommy Dearest? Yeah.
0: <laughs> I just want to sure. say um, uh, the uh Alice doesn't live here anymore. Uh, oh,
1: I love yeah. that movie. Oh. Yeah. Uh, very, yeah.
0: yeah. And she's also pretty good in The Exorcist. She is going up against, like, the devil. So, you know, she's, she's not having a great time being a mother. <laughs> she's putting up a fire. Yeah.
1: Okay. Uh, moving on now from that. Oh, this is Savage. This one comes from That CM Guy, 1988. What director from this list most owes a personal apology for making a bad movie? Here's oh. here's the list. M. Night Shyamalan for The Last Airbender. That. Simon Kinberg for Dark Phoenix. Bill Condon for Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> Guy Ritchie for King Offer. Or Roland Emmerich for Independence Day Resurgence.
3: Bill Condon. Well, I like Beauty and, it's and the hold very much. Bill all right, all right hold on, hold on, let's back up. Michael? Well, I like Beauty and the Beast very much, so I'm not going with that. I'm saying M. Night Shyamalan because I know he has it in him to make yes. great movies. Yes. Yeah. But he had made he did so
5: many bad movies before last airbender. Like, not only he, no, like that. he oh, tore apart
4: lot. that show. <laughs> yeah. That show is amazing. Everyone who hasn't seen the actual show, watch the show. It's great.
0: And then go watch Legend of Korra afterwards. Yeah. So that's
4: and cool. he just like totally like tore apart the show.
3: The happening is not the last airbender. I,
1: I, I wouldn't say the last airbender from Night Shyamalan, because personally I never watched The Last Airbender, so I was not like anticipating That movie the same way the fans were so I can't personally respond with that but I can understand if he's probably the most objective one on this list considering how many people he did disappoint with that movie Mm -hmm. I think the one that offends me the most is Roland Emmerich for Independence Day Resurgence because Mm -hmm. I don't know how you make an Independence Day sequel 20 somewhat years (laughs) after the original and not have Will Smith in your movie (laughs) <laughs> and it just felt like an, like a waste of time, a waste of effort, a waste of everything. Um, so that one's the one that I probably would ask for an apology for, uh, for just for that movie existing. Because in my mind, it doesn't exist. It's like it's not canon with Independence Day.
4: That's me with Dark Phoenix.
1: So, like, I don't blame Simon Kinberg though for Dark Phoenix no, as then. much. No, yeah, like, Dark
4: Phoenix yeah. is fine. But like, the main issue is just telling the story of the Phoenix in one movie where we didn't know anything about this version of Jean. Because in order to tell Dark Phoenix, you need to understand Jean, then you have to understand Phoenix, and then then Phoenix has to freak out. This is me getting very comic book nerdy. I understand. (laughs) But that's my main issue of it. Like, You're allowed to change the version of Phoenix. We just have to know who Jean is and what she values. So when Phoenix does get out of control, we understand the conflict. Jean is the most complicated comic book character I think in my mind and that's why your story is so hard to adapt onto a big screen
2: mm-hmm. maybe
1: you should start calling it ex-women Lauren <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh,
2: God. I, I would say Guy Ritchie because uh, granted he will never apologize for anything but <laughs> King Arthur is so lazy you know even by his standards mm-hmm. uh, uh, and uh, he did
1: apologize it was called The Gentleman
2: yes yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
5: <laughs> no, I,
1: he knows what he knows what he did
5: he does, that's he does. He knows. I think, <laughs> and that's I don't why think like, I don't too bad.
1: like I feel like with Guy Ritchie it was like that's what I think that's why I like the gentleman so much more is because like I feel like he made that you know, Sherlock Holmes and Aladdin, these bigger like big big movies. And it was just like I need I need to go back to my roots. I need to go back to what brought me to the dance and what people fell in love with me for in the first place. Yeah. And yeah. I, I think I think he knocked it out of the park in that regard. So Yeah.
5: No, for me it's easily, easily Bill Condon for taking one of the great movies of my childhood and wringing it of all humanity and prettiness and beautiful singing and music and turning it into a shockingly cgi gaudy tacky monstrosity full of people who don't understand singing
0: yeah emma watson
5: well well look i i love emma watson despite everything i think She was still great casting, but the fact is, like, once you add all the auto tune on top of these people who aren't singers, it completely erases any acting they're doing within that performance. And this is why you need to cast singers. In a musical Hollywood, I don't understand what is so hard about this
4: concept.
5: (laughs) (laughs) Gotta
1: sell tickets, Dan.
4: I'm just not a fan of the remakes at all with the animated movies.
1: (laughs) Which is why I'm like, I'm really freaking out over Mulan, if I'm being completely honest in that regard, because it's not promising to be a straight remake, which is giving me hope. But lately, I've definitely been burned by the Mm -hmm. Disney remakes. For sure,
5: none of them have been good since.
1: Yeah, Cinderella was phenomenal. Yeah, uh, David Mitchell Baker asks, What do you guys think will happen first? An animated film wins Best Picture or a documentary film gets nominated for Best Picture? (laughs) Documentary
3: nomination, yeah, I think agreed. Oh, yeah, probably, yeah, Yeah, I think so too. Can we
5: just say, like, neither of those are gonna happen? (laughs) Neither of those,
1: (laughs) (laughs) Jesus, Dan. (laughs) Swam Thing Abed Nadir asks, what do you think about the Renaissance of drive-in cinemas? Is this trend visible in America? because in Europe such cinemas are having uh, are becoming recently very popular.
4: Okay, so I did like pitch this idea in the group in the next best picture group chat a couple weeks ago being like, let's do it. like let's try to get this happening And then um, I forgot who said it. but um, it was basically like, how do we trust people won't get out of the car? sort of
3: debate that we had. Uh, that was me, Lauren. I said okay. that. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you know, unless they have strict regulations in place from the people working at these drive-in theaters, you know, once people pull up and then they see a friend and then they just have to go get popcorn, you know, it's like <laughs> that's how everything just starts.
5: Yeah. I do think that like now is the time when we would see a resurgence in drive-in theaters and I love drive-in theaters. I think it's so much fun. Um, but I, I don't know if it's going to last... Much beyond the current crisis, it'll be interesting to see.
2: The, it's probably, the problem is in the states. A lot of the drive-in theaters have either been torn down or turned into swap meets, and uh, it, and yeah. it, the ones that are operating are in largely rural areas. So you're yeah. you're out of luck if you live anywhere near even a small city. So uh, I'd love to go to a drive-in these days. Same. Uh, but, yeah, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, just to see those double bills, gee. But um, you know, yes. unfortunately, unfortunately, I don't. I don't think it would be a great, uh, economically feasible to uh, build new drive-ins.
0: I would have to get a car, and it's <laughs> gonna be a really expensive. Cinema ticket, hasn't yeah. it? Like, True. I'd buy a whole car to go.
5: But, hey, you get two movies for the price of one, so. Is it
0: worth it?
1: James 54292959 asks, what do you think is the least accessible film that's been nominated for Best Picture? The Tree of Life. Yeah, that sounds right. That's That's a good, good choice.
5: It's also one of the most beautiful films nominated for Best Picture, and I absolutely adore it
1: considering best picture is meant to be like the most agreeable movies of the year yeah, yeah <laughs> I, I yeah because I can't say something like Joker um that doesn't that doesn't that's not what I would deem an inaccessible movie
2: yeah um, a divisive yeah,
1: movie fine. yes but not yep. inaccessible yep
5: yeah and like even like going back to the early days when every once in a while you'd find a a foreign film sneaks its way in there. I don't think it's quite as, um, heady and symbolic and all those things as the tree of life is.
1: I think that in a year or five tree of life would not have made it. And Malick would have gotten that lone best director nomination. Probably. Uh, Oh, totally. Totally. I, I, I can't think of another film off the top of my head that, Comes close, honestly. I can think of movies that people don't like, Mm
2: -hmm. but something
3: that's like hard to just sit somebody down and have them watch it. Uh, I agree with The Tree of Life, uh, definitely in terms of recent ones. I'm sure if we went back far enough, we could find some other examples. Yeah, probably. The Tree of Life just sounds right to me within the last 10 years. Yeah. Okay. Ethan May.
1: No, no games this week from Ethan May. He says he's taking a break this week. Instead, he's just asking us, "What do you guys think is the best, best, best picture winner?" <laughs> uh-huh.
3: Ooh, like the ooh, uh, the best best picture winner. You know, that's he's an like, easy one for me.
4: Yeah,
3: for me, it's uh, Chicago.
4: For me, it's Titanic. Really?
3: Yeah, Chicago is one of my top three movies of all time, and it's I, only one of those three the one best picture.
4: Titanic's Michael, my number but,
3: one. Yeah, Michael, I, I mean, would have thought you would have said Schindler's List. No, Schindler's List. I mean, remarkable film. Don't get me wrong, but you know, favorite. That's uh... well. We didn't say favorite. We said best. No, oh, best, well. not favorite. Yeah. Well, I still say Chicago. I yeah. think Schindler's List is remarkable, but for different reasons.
2: It does I mean? Does he mean uh, the best, meaning the best film that is one business picture, or yeah. the best choice that has been made? Uh, I would say that uh, Lawrence of Arabia for me would be the best. Film that is, but I would say the best choice would be Parasite.
1: Uh, no, best film.
2: Okay, then Lawrence for Arabia.
1: I. It's hard for me
2: to
5: not say Gone with the Wind because I don't think anything of that true scale and size has ever really, and and pure entertainment value has ever won again since but one 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 that i i really love as a best picture winner and i think is constantly underrated because i think a lot of people just haven't seen it is the best years of our lives
1: that's a really good choice that's a really good choice it's beauty um i'm gonna be lame and say a not really good choice but it's like the choice and that's the godfather mm-hmm <laughs> Lame. Yep.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I want to say Godfather part 2 though.
1: I'm not getting into this debate with you right now Bianca. <laughs> <laughs> I'm
0: the team. Have this
1: debate, please. I'm, no. I'm no. Godfather
4: part 2 team. <laughs> I'll say.
5: it. <laughs> cuz you've
0: got taste in movies.
1: Hey. All right, Scott Kernan. Kind of speaking of what I was saying before about Tree of Life not making it into a year of five, uh, looking at uh, some of the uh, years over the past decade, uh, what are some of your favorite Best Picture nominees that would not have gotten in on a list of five nominees?
3: So are we just looking at a certain range
1: or of all time? We're looking at the last decade. So in years, in in these years of sliding scale... What is a film that would not have made it in a year of five that was like one of your favorites?
2: I, I would say a serious man. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's a good choice. Yeah,
5: I would say like my my favorite lineup and the lineup that like single handedly for me justifies the best picture expansion is 2010. I think that um it had some of the most inspired best picture nominees that would not have ever like District Nine would not have mm-hmm. been in a year of that's five true. and. I, I honestly am not sure that Black Swan would have been in a year of 5 either which makes me very very
3: sad but I think it would have cuz of one actress and had the director nomination if it but had it, just been lord director have maybe that below the line support I know it didn't have below the line but it had just enough with you know the Portman win and Darren Aronofsky that I think it would have made it in at the end of the day I'm not, and not it so been- sure about
1: that's it had film opinion. editing,
3: didn't it? Okay, yeah. No, I think
1: we didn't get it. No, no, it didn't. You didn't. It just
2: had it cinematography. Was,
5: yeah, it just... It, that, mm. that was the big thing because I remember watching that movie and be like, how can you have that movie and have that scene in the club and not win best editing? It also didn't get in for visual effects and it didn't get in for costuming either, although there was controversy with that and blah, blah, blah. But I don't think it would have been in in a year of five and I think it it needed that expansion. It was probably sixth.
4: <laughs> That's me with um her in 2013. I don't think Great that would have gotten in. Yeah. And I love that movie. It's one of my favorites of the oh. decade. And I honestly think it's probably number six or seven in that year. I don't think it would get in with five.
0: I wonder if Beast of the Seven Wild would have got in with a five.
1: That's really, That's really out. a tough one. yeah I don't know, yeah. best
0: director, best mm. actress.
1: And screenplay, yeah, that's a big yeah. one
3: that it got screenplay too. It
1: does feel more likely that that would have made it into five uh, over a more um because Ooh. Michael Haneke getting a, like a lone director nomination uh feels more like what they've done historically.
0: But that was a really tough year because you had yeah, Lincoln, you had Les yeah. Miserables, you had oh, Life
1: of yeah, I'm actually going to stick with that year really quick and I'll say my pick will be Zero Dark Dirty. I don't think it would have
3: made it in a year of five. Agreed, I don't think that would have yeah. made it. I no. think four that missed that here would have been Zero Dark Thirty, Les Mis, Amour, and
1: I'm actually going to say I Beez think like Django had
3: more support that it could have gotten into Best Picture.
1: I think it would have been Argo, Beast of the Southern Wild, Life of Pi, Lincoln, and Silver Linings Playbook as yeah. the five. I don't think
3: Django had it.
1: No, not at all. Really? I see, Even nope. with no play I supporting think- actor win. No, I don't think so.
5: You know, I think Les Mis would have gotten in over
4: Beasts. Yeah. yeah. I agree. It's a tough year.
1: Very it tough is. year. Yeah. Okay. Good question, though. Yeah. Really, really enjoyed mm-hmm. that. Oh, Kevin Jacobson asking us to talk about Kevin. history. Oh, that's our Kevin. Let's say Titanic and Lord of the Rings Return to King are not eligible Ooh. at 1997 and the 2003 Oscars, and therefore they do not sweep. How do those uh, races change, and what wins Best Picture?
4: Good old Hunting?
3: No, L.A. Confidential. No, uh, yeah, L.A. Confidential. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I no, say don't good. know. Yeah, both of them won screenplay and acting. Yeah, but L.A. Confidential had the narrative of being the front runner until people realized Titanic was good.
1: Yeah, that's fair. You're right. Yeah, and but I think but yeah. I think Goodwill Hunting fits more of the mold of what they like to go for for a best picture winner in terms of accessibility.
4: Ah, um, yeah, people yeah we got Robert team. Williams, we got the boys, we got I don't
2: know. Yeah, LA Confidential, I don't know. Critic Sterling, then I think an audience Sterling.
1: I will say this. You know it supports LA Confidential winning that year? Um, it would have won uh, some of the other texts that Titanic uh, won. Yeah, that's
2: yeah. true. Yep.
0: Yep. Can you imagine a world where the Full Monty won Best
5: Picture? Oh. <laughs> I would have loved that so much. I love that movie. <laughs> that
1: I would like more. to live in that world. <laughs>
5: <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Who wins Best Director? Uh, I guess Curtis Hansen, right?
5: Curtis Simpson absolutely would have won had it not been for James Cameron. Yeah. yeah, And that's partially why I think LA Confidential would have won Best Picture. Splits were very rare back
1: then. So then my next question is, because uh, the score and the song were such a big, big deal that year for mm-hmm. Titanic, what wins those two? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> to go back oh, to the Wikipedia page
5: yeah, and what were the other nominees?
3: Does Danny Elfman win for *Goodwill Hunting*? That's back when we had the split score. It was dramatic score, the musical comedy score. So, yeah. over in dramatic score, the nominees outside of *Titanic* were *Amistad*, *Goodwill Hunting*, *Kundun*, and *LA Confidential*.
0: Oh, *LA Confidential* score.
2: That's yeah, so it's a probably yeah. yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, and that probably lends another credence to the best picture win.
1: I think then for song, I think that, uh, I actually think Go to Distance would have pulled I it don't off. I think it
3: would have been the Go to Distance.
1: It's Alan Menken, man. Yeah. Uh, Journey I, the I think past. it would have been
3: Elliot Smith for Goodwill Hunting.
1: Ah, <gasps> Miss Misery, yeah?
3: Yeah, I think the Anastasia songs would have canceled each other out. Well, no, there's yeah. only one Anastasia song. It was Journey to the that Past as the only one. No, yeah. I thought
5: I thought yeah. Once Upon a December also got
3: nominated. Nope. No, nope. it was okay. Go the Distance no. from Hercules, Journey to the Past from Anastasia. How do I live from Con Air and Mr. Stop? Stop. Record. That's it. That's it. That's what wins yes, right there. Am Con Warren Air.
5: I would
1: have won. <laughs> Ian <am> Warren <laughs> would have won. Oscar. Yeah. yeah. And Damn. Con Air would be an Oscar winner. <laughs> yes. Oh, I love it. All right. So then uh, looking at 2003. Jesus
3: Christ. The text <laughs> that would have been Mystic River for Best Picture. Yeah. Absolutely. I am not so sure about that.
5: Yeah, what I'm not so we sure got either. Well, we got,
2: you got two acting wins. <laughs> right.
3: Yeah. And that would have been Clint winning Picture and Director instead of Million Dollar Baby the next year. Okay. Because they were eager to give it to him a second time. And they
2: obviously yeah. love
3: Mystic River for good reason. It's a terrific movie.
2: Yeah.
4: Million Dollar Baby just better,
2: though. And then the other... Thing. Yeah, then I think the text would largely go to Master and Commander.
1: Yes. You don't think uh, Pirates of the Caribbean could have won something somewhere? Yeah. <laughs> Pirates oh, of the
5: Caribbean's it's... best shot was, I mean, outside of visual effects, was the score, which it wasn't
1: nominated for. So. I mean, makeup. How the hell does it not win makeup?
2: There's lots of it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that movie is all hair and makeup.
5: <laughs> but, but that's a movie where it's a question of, like, how much of it was makeup and how much of it was
3: CGI. Well, let's go through. For picture, director, and screenplay, I think it would have been Mystic River.
1: Yeah, I, I, my, my, well, see, my initial like jerk reaction was I thought that Peter Weir from Astro Commander could stand a little bit of a shot because it had like that similar epic scale filmmaking, but. When you said that they were dying to give it to Clint and they did it for Million Dollar Baby, that makes a lot more sense. I think Clint,
3: yeah, this would have been it for him this year. So then when you look at the above the line, that's the answer there. But then below the line, score, I'm looking at everything Return of the King won, score probably would have gone to uh, Cold Mountain. No, Danny Elfman for Big Fish. You think? Dude, he's
1: never won. And it's like if the field was that clear. Yeah, but for Big Fish, was that like a big thing back then?
4: No. No, Big Fish wasn't big. It was little. But, um, it was
1: a little fish. <laughs> little fish. I just, I just, I just can't believe that you're turning over Danny Elfman and Thomas Newman for a chance to give it to Gabriel Yared. Yeah, who was nominated many times
3: before for English Patient and Ripley, and now Cold Mountain, and that was a movie that had just missed Best Picture, unlike Big Fish.
5: But Cold Mountain also, like, it got a lot of nominations, but I, people didn't love it.
1: Yeah, I think sound editing. Uh, oh, well, Master and Commander still one sound any. So sound mixing.
3: Yeah. It would have gone to Master and Commander again. It would have yeah. also
5: gone to Master and Commander.
3: Yeah. yeah. Song would have gone to Cold Mountain, I think, for uh, Teba and Burnett and Elvis for Costello. Sting. Yeah, That makes sense. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I forgot there was uh, the other one. Uh, yeah. You know what? Oh, yeah, no. What it, would it would have been You will Be Sting. My Eye. True yeah, it would have gone to or, the. Or,
5: album. No. I... Think no, come guys, on.
3: Guys, make a, a choice here. Come on.
5: You <laughs> <laughs> would have gone to one of the Cold Mountain songs. You're, prob- that, you're probably right,
3: right. Art Direction. You're probably
5: right. Or would they would have canceled to... each other out and Michael McKeon
3: would be an Oscar winner. <laughs> I do not object to that timeline. That sounds very nice. <laughs> Art Direction would go to Master and Commander. Mm-hmm. cinematographer oh, That was already Master and Commander for Cinematography. How, uh, how, make, can make we up talk about Pirates of how... the Caribbean.
5: Wait, wait, hold on. How did The Lord of the Rings Return of the King in that year not get nominated for Cinematography?
1: I still don't know. I, it's one of the biggest head scratchers That's like so I've ever weird. seen. I
5: do not understand.
1: Because novel. Andrew Lesney yeah. did phenomenal that year in the precursors in the lead up uh, to the point where it's just baffling that he couldn't even get the nomination. A
5: Best Picture sweeper.
4: Yeah, and literally climbed from the that like, would, that would have put the win to make this the most winning movie.
5: I know,
4: but that like nominated yeah. for cinematography, yeah. would have won, yeah. and it would have been the most awarded film ever.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, like he won the BAFTA. He was nominated for a uh, ASC. I mean, I I don't understand it. Yeah,
5: I, I do not know how that happened. What I think would be interesting, though, I think City of God would have won Best Editing.
3: Yes. It certainly. Yeah, I could get on board with that. That makes a lot of sense, even with the director nomination. So City of God for editing. Costume design probably would have gone to Girl with the Pearl Earring.
2: You think? Because I thought Last Samurai is...
3: Yeah, I was going to say Last Samurai, too. Yeah, that had support. I I could also see that.
1: I actually, actually, Michael, you know, I, I was actually thinking about this a minute ago. I could see a world where potentially... Last Samurai would have also taken art direction.
3: I've actually never seen Last Samurai, so that's tough for me okay. to say. But if it had the support, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then for visual effects and makeup, that probably would have been wins for Pirates. Probably, yeah. Yeah, I think this one is a
1: little bit trickier, maybe. But um, we did get a comment under Kevin's about uh, from Michael Caymans uh, uh, asking, "Hey, same thought. What does tw- what does 2008 look
3: like without Slumdog Millionaire?" Oh, that's a really interesting one. (laughs) Yeah, that's a much more interesting one, actually. I think you would have seen uh, David Fincher finally get Best Director.
1: But I think Milk wins Best Picture. I don't
3: think so. Yeah, Milk would win Best Picture. I think it would be a split. That's interesting.
5: I don't know that I think so. I don't think so because Gus Van Sant loved but never won. I think they would have seen that. That movie had more love than Curious Case did, even though Curious Case got more
1: nominations. Maybe Christopher Nolan b- gets in the lineup and Danny Boyle's place. <laughs> mm-hmm. So what the one that's the that's the thing. So then for adapted screenplay uh, between Curious Case, Benjamin Button, doubt Frost, Nixon and the reader. That's
0: tough. <laughs> it would have mm-hmm. been Eric gone Frost whatever the was
3: sixth place. <laughs> How can it not be Benjamin Button there?
2: Well, I don't think people think of it necessarily as yeah, they a, you don't know, think Yeah, it's a screenplay thing. It's a kind of a. I think Peter. I think Peter Morgan would have won for Frost and Nixon,
3: even though they're both and taken Morgan? directly from the plays. Yes, going to say yeah. that would Hmm. Interesting. And then for original score, um, I think Button. I think it would have yeah, been Benjamin that Button. That, would have, been,
1: that would have been, been Alexander yeah. dust yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. So song it should have been the wrestler. I don't know what the hell happened there. <laughs> so, the only other choice is Wally. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that's fun. how Thomas Newman gets his Oscar. <laughs> <laughs> uh sound mixing would have gone to The Dark Knight.
5: Yeah. Yeah. Cinematography that would have probably gone to Benjamin Button, honestly.
1: Yeah. I think so too, yeah. Art direction went to Benjamin Button. Makeup went to Benjamin Button. Visual effects went to Benjamin Button. Film editing. Dark Knight.
5: Uh,
3: uh, that's...
5: I don't know. Yeah,
3: yeah. I, I, I could buy that. It was a year after the Bourne ultimatum. They were okay giving it to non-best picture nominees. Yeah, that seems to click for me. And I think that when you
1: tally all this up, I think you're right, Michael. I think David Fincher might have won director and Milk would have taken picture.
5: No, I... I think it might have been
3: a. Well, I don't know. I think either way, what happens in director still results in Milk winning Best Picture because this was right after Prop 8 in California and yeah. all this buzz yeah. around it. They obviously loved the movie and it was like the politically, you know, right thing to do. A great movie, of course, on top of it all, but it just would have made the Academy feel even better about themselves had they.
1: Re- I 100 percent agree with that. Yeah. I, I think the original screenplay win uh, speaks volumes to that. Hmm. That's really an
3: incredible performance still. He he was just on the view the other day, Sean Penn. And then you see him, like what he looks like now, and then think of him as Harvey Milk. And that is really a transformative performance when you know Sean Penn as a person compared to in character. Mm -hmm. I saw him
1: on uh Kirby Enthusiasm lately and I was like Oh my god, that was mm -hmm. so fun. His exotic (laughs) bird shop. All right. Well, that'll do it here uh, for this week. I did forget to uh, say this earlier, but I will just mention it now. Head on over to the polls page over at nextbestpicture.com, where you can vote uh, today for your favorite movie based on an animated TV series uh, to help us get ready for Scoob. Not going to go over that right now, but that is the current poll for this week. So sorry I did not mention that before. Thank you to everyone that sent us in questions. We hope that you enjoy
3: this uh, time with your families this weekend. And, Michael, where can he find you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter at mschwartz95. And I finally have my movie mother ready, as promised. So the one I decided on is Aurora Greenway from Terms of Endearment, who is definitely a tough love mother, but... Goes out of her way for her daughter will do anything for her and that it's just a beautiful relationship And I love that performance and character. So there you go
1: I am genuinely shocked that it took you that long to come up with such an obvious answer from Michael Schwartz
3: I was <laughs> trying to come up with one that was like more relatable to me because Aurora definitely is not my mother Like Aurora is definitely, you know tougher and you know, no nonsense in that way. But Yeah, just in terms of thinking of the ones that you think of and spend your life thinking about it has to be her
1: all right, Lauren, we're going to find you on the internet.
4: You can find me on the Twitter at Lauren Lemango
1: Bianca Gardner.
0: Um, you can find me at the film B. And also, if you do want to adopt me, I mean, I'm more than happy. We can arrange that, you know. <laughs>
1: Dan Bear, we're going to find you.
5: <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at Dan's and Dan on
1: film. Tom.
2: And I'm on Twitter at Thomas A. O'Brien.
1: And you can find me at Next Best Picture. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to episode 193 of the Next Best Picture podcast. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneInPlayer, FM, ACAST, CastBox, and also on Spotify. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support, which you can also give us over at Patreon for $1 minimum a month. You get some exclusive podcast content from us, including our 2014 retrospective reviews. Upcoming, we have reviews use of wild and inherent vice still to come for the month of may so definitely be sure to head on over to get that exclusive podcast content thank you so much for listening as always we shall see you all next time